Hey everyone, this is Tony Holbein from Growblocks. You're listening to The Revenue Formula with Tony and Mikkel. In today's episode, we're talking about the four signs that your go-to-market is probably broken, and we're going to talk about solutions to each. Enjoy. So I was thinking, you've been away, lazy fucker. That's right. Just snowboarding. And I'm so disappointed, by the way, that you ha just have one board and not two. But let's leave that aside. But I was like, surely there's going to be an intro, a story that you kind of, you know, you sat on the flight home or you drove. I don't know. And you're like, oh, I'm going to go back. It's going to be Monday. What I'm going to do, I'm going to get in the studio and record with Miko. And of course, I'm going to have this amazing story to tell. So, I mean, I don't actually, but <laughs> I got to say... Um, you know, I haven't been snowboarding for f four years. Yeah. Because, you know, kids. And, um, you know, you do this once or twice. So you do this the first day, the second day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. By the by the third day, I basically couldn't move anymore. Yeah. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> your legs hurt, your feet I was just hurt. Like, your... But the thing is, the, the second you're then on the slopes, everything is fine again. Yeah. Your body works again because, you know, the fear of falling is like too much. Um... <laughs> But uh, but otherwise, the second I came home, I was like, I can't move anymore. <laughs> um, but luckily, there was nothing broken. That's good, because we're going to talk something else that might be broken. So thank you for that beautiful segue. There you go. Someone's done their homework, I think. Uh, we're going to talk about the go-to-market mm -hmm. and the signs that it might be broken, mm -hmm. actually. And some of them hopefully are not there. Let's hope. Um, but I think is, everyone is there. I think everyone is there. <laughs> Let's see. Then at least you can start fixing it. And this is actually pretty important. Mm. It's pretty important because a lot of stuff has happened over the last couple of years, right? So there's a lot of conversation around what, how does SaaS actually work? How does that business model hang together? And we've gotten really smart around it. We've developed all these amazing tools and functions and stuff. And it goes from you know, awareness to acquisition to a customer to retention to expansion. It all hangs together. And right now we have the challenge that this growth at all cost, the gag, gag, it's kind of over. It's done. It's efficient, durable growth. And you kind of wrote a uh, rev letter and also LinkedIn a post, post about how that's actually shifted a lot of businesses at the moment. And, you know, explaining a lot of the pain we're seeing. So layoffs, VCs stuck with deals that they can't get rid of and yeah. all that, you know, all that mayhem, basically. The whole, the whole, not the industry, the whole ecosystem is kind of effed right now. Yeah, it's kind of unwinding and, yeah. and resetting. And I think it's kind of normal when you have that kind of massive shift, the, the holy crap moment, mm. basically. <laughs> um, you realize that, hey, this is this unprofitable, untenable path we've been on. It's not going to work no more. I think what's really important for everyone, you know, listening to understand is I think there's a lot of dramatization going on right now. Yeah. You and I are playing yeah, that game yeah. also a little yes. bit. Um, We're selling the episode. Oh, you know, <laughs> doomsday has come and passed and you're basically dead already. Repent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pay us a thousand dollars. Maybe your souls will get, you know, saved. Hey, hey, at least we're not selling courses online. Yeah, <laughs> yet. Um, so the um, the thing is, though. Uh, so SaaS is now what, like uh, 25 years old, 20 yeah, years old? Yeah, I mean, we had like Dave this? Boys on the show and yeah. it's 20 years. So. Yeah. Um, and um, so this works, right? Kind yeah. of the the idea of that delivery system works, that mm. you don't pay a million bucks one off and then come five years later and do a million bucks again. Mm. 
Um, but instead do like smaller, um, smaller entry barriers, maybe pay only 50,000 bucks yeah. and, you know, and so forth. Right. So that works. Uh, that's great. Um, then we had this whole, um, you know, normal growth actually up until the 2019, uh, 2020, something like that. And really this is, um, this was you know, signified by the public markets actually by a median, multiple on ARR of around six. So mm. what does that mean? So you have an annual recurring uh, revenue and uh, you are being publicly valued. So they looked at public companies mm. and they saw that their market capitalization, basically what their, their valuation, Yeah, that's public talk for valuation. It's the same thing. Their market cap um, was six times the ARR, which makes sense because it's re recurring and you're growing. And, yeah, yeah. and therefore it's like, ah, okay, you know, it's not one off, it's not one X because, hey, this stuff will continue to come in, mm. right? So that makes sense. What then happened, and this is what basically broke the system, <laughs> is zero interest rates. Mm -hmm. Basically COVID happened. Yeah. Uh, digital just went through the fucking roof. Yeah. Everyone was e-commerce, SaaS, digital, you know, that's basically who we are. Yeah, it's how we're going to live forever. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and what in reality happened is that it spiked because of COVID. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you look at across a couple of different charts, what you're seeing is all of this is actually returned to where it should have been yeah. by now if growth, you know, in that direction would have continued. Yeah. yeah. But you, you've seen these e-com shards that, you know, spiked and now are back to where they, you know, expected to be yeah, five yeah, years yeah. ago, actually. So all of this is all of this is you know, basically kind of happened, and and with that spike, what happened also is that wow, these SaaS businesses, these digital businesses are growing like crazy. Let's value them higher. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's also like you know when money. So I saw David Sachs talk with Jason Lemkin uh, on YouTube. So it was a SaaS recording. You can find it there. I'll drop in a link. But he basically said, well, so it was a bubble, and. It was fueled by the Fed just airdropping money. And by the way, that also happened in Europe. Just want to say that. And what sure. are you going to do? You have like, all of a sudden you have money in your bank account. So that's so all of that is true. But also, let's not forget, SaaS is a tiny, tiny, tiny little niche yeah, yeah, of the yeah. whole economy. Yeah. And, you know, the, why why didn't all of that stuff happen with the rest? By the no, way? it's so funny. Anyway. I was literally thinking, think about all the gyms. Yeah. Did were they multiple? You know, they're yes. multiple at no no. So let's so, get it back to the go to market. Because so, no no, but basically kind of where we're kind of then heading to is okay, infinite money. Yeah. We can do whatever the whatever we want now. Mm. Um what then happened is like, okay, since money is so cheap and since valuation therefore then are suddenly so high, we can actually afford to spend two, three, four, five years of customer acquisition costs in order to, you know, acquire yeah. one customer. Because that was okay, actually. Kind of it made sense. If you have a 20x multiple on your revenue, every additional dollar that you buy, yeah. <laughs> you kind of have like an incentive to buy it for 20, 20 the amount. Right? Yeah, yeah. And if if you only buy it for 5x, well, that's that's a bargain. <laughs> wow, let's let's go, right? So um then everything blew up because that logic totally makes sense. It makes financial sense. Yeah. Um and um, and what then happened is that um, everyone built like shitty machines, yeah, pretty much. And now everything behind the scenes is resetting. So suddenly it's like, oh wait a minute, these SaaS companies actually aren't growing that much. Oh wait a minute, um, you know, COVID is over. People go to a <laughs> restaurant again. You know, they do the stuff that they did before. Yeah, yeah. Zoom is ten. I mean, all of that stuff, right? And suddenly, what everyone is waking up to, to a degree, like annoyed. Yeah. And right? Yeah, it's you see, like, 
oh, you know, this is so unfair. You know, the crazy times from five years ago, they're over now. Yeah. That you know, this is this business is so hard. Um, so that's why I'm not saying the golden age of SaaS is over. I think just the super easy, convenient time is over. Yeah, yeah. We're back to like you know, we're building a normal business time actually. Yeah, yeah. But that has a couple of ripple effects on how you build the business and actually how you build the go-to market. Mm. And now that you know some of that is basically dropping away, that has a massive impact on how you need to re rejiggle your go-to market basically. Exactly. And we have three departments that's pretty key just when we're talking go to market so marketing sales cs that, yeah. that's really the key focus and the first first sign that is disconnected mm -hmm. and you, it's broken is you have disconnected operations yeah i mean this is this feels like a broken record kind of coming yeah. from me <laughs> so it's really this if if you look into your own go to market organization and if and you know they might be called revops don't get me wrong but if they are reporting lines from marketing operations or someone doing kind of marketing operation stuff, but rolling to the VP of marketing, someone doing sales op stuff, maybe being called revenue operations, mm. rolling to the VP of sales and the same for CS, that might be a really, really good sign that something is amiss. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really good sign, uh, meaning it's a strong sign, not a, not a positive sign, <laughs> uh, that something is amiss here. Because what, what basically will happen is, um, you know, Dave Kellogg calls it the uh, the, the, the fencing, uh, the analyst fencing, <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, okay. um, uh, I think I started calling it the weaponization of operations. Yeah. Um, and the, the typical scenario is VP of this and VP of that walk into a room, bring their, bring their, um, their plus ones, which is operations. Yeah. And then uh, while the big boys talk and then there's a number problem, then suddenly the two plus ones go like, but this report, but this yeah, report, yeah, yeah, and this yeah. report, and this. they got it out. Yes, um, <laughs> and uh, and the smarter, more eloquent, more prepared operations person wins that conversation. Mm. And guess what? That's not how it should be. No, no, <laughs> it's like who will be my champion and fight for me? Yes, <laughs> um, so exactly, and and the, so that that's the problem, right? Kind of you, you can't have. You can't have uh, operations folks kind of uh, gunning it out, mm. um, because at the end of the day, it's not about that. It's 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 basically a symptom of, I think, another thing, which is really your reporting not being aligned. Yeah, basically, kind of the numbers are not not aligned. Everyone has their own little reports. Yeah, everyone is creating their own reports, which I think is kind of okay, but you need to do it based on a shared basis yeah. of data. I would say right. Um, and and everyone is is super focusing on their own little island, yeah. Um, which I think has been also the case previous 2019, mm. and also was there kind of an issue already. Uh, it's now exasperated by this shift that we're going through, and everyone looking for go to market fit again. N you know, while you're looking at your own uh, island all the time, people are starting to realize, and they need to realize it more that actually they need to. Ha they have to look at the whole thing. Yeah. You have to look at the whole thing, right? There's a couple of other items we're going to go into, but looking at, I don't know, some people call it the bow tie model or the data model or mm. revenue model or whatever. Kind of, you need to look at the whole thing front to, front to end and um, try and understand, you know, what is, what is causing an issue in there and then, co you know, collectively fixing it. Yeah. But, but if you don't, you're only going to see, Hey, my area is green. Yeah. So yeah, have yeah. the others, right? Yeah. Now, I remember being in those sales and marketing meetings where we would look at the funnel. We wouldn't think about how long are they going to stay with us? Is this the right profile? And it, it was purely just the, 
are we booking meetings, period, end yeah. of story. And then you went back to marketing and you were looking at traffic, leads, and opportunities. That, that was it. You didn't care about anything else. And I also felt like, you know what? It wasn't super productive, actually. You didn't get a whole lot out of it. Not saying those meetings are unimportant, by the way. It's still important to track those stages of the funnel. But I always felt like we lacked that full view um, and that kind of framework in place to say, hey, this is how the business needs to run. Do you have like an example of, okay, you sit in a marketing session and you see some issue further down the funnel. How, how would you react to that? Do you have like an example there? Well, to be honest, most of the time it it was not that proactive. It's mm. like a, no, we have a problem now kind mm. of thing. And then you have like a limited number of plays you can choose to run. It's like, yeah. well, there's not any conferences coming up we can go to. That's a sure thing. Can I spend more on this channel that works and has a you know fast uh, cycle? It's like, no. Yeah. Uh, I, then I can do some some enablement. So to be honest, I think quite often it's it's more so that you know there's a problem happening now downstream in the funnel. Yeah. Not as much upstream. Like sure, I've we've had cases where you know a channel blew up and we obviously had to do everything to fix it because we knew. You know, if so, the specific case was the cost per lead just went through the roof because mm -hmm. a competitor had raised prices, so they could just go and buy, mm -hmm. you know, at higher prices, and we couldn't basically maneuver that very well. So we had to kind of throw everything and just salvage that channel. Yeah. Um, so I think it's more kind of that piece, making sure that the like the, what's going to deliver the eighty percent doesn't blow up, basically. No, but it's so I also sometimes think, especially for marketing teams. There's a, I mean, you mentioned this, there's a bit of a time delay issue. Oh, yeah. Because really, you need to see that there's an issue next quarter, not not this quarter, right? Yeah. And I think kind of in the example that you mentioned was kind of an SMB motion more, yes. right? So you could do something intra-quarter, basically. Uh, but for anything that's a bit more mid-market, kind yeah, of some of that difficult. is kind of, you know, messed up, right? It's really difficult. Like, um, I think some of the best you can do is try and activate the audience you currently have and yeah. just assist sales to the best of your ability to kind of progress the deals. Yeah. But then it's building for the next quarter and try and see if you can compensate there. Which yeah. is which is often hard to be honest. No, and I mean I think another example is basically um, let's just say supply and demand not within the sales side but sales side to the CS side, mm. right? So you you won't you won't not sign a customer because oh you know sorry don't have any any capacity for you anymore. Mm. So you will always say yes. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And um, and and what then though needs to happen is you need to kind of give the CS team a bit of a better heads up. Yeah. And sometimes you can see this. A couple of months ahead, so CS actually has time to hire. Yeah, yeah, right. Because otherwise, they just they just won't be able to. So they're, they're, and they're I think all and kinds I, of practical shifts, basically. And I think actually that's one of the fundamental challenges you're going to have if you have disconnected ops. Let's say you have an ops person in marketing. Are you going to have that person and sit and run the numbers all the way downstream? No, of course. Mm -hmm. Well, you can't. No, you, <laughs> you you're, not gonna, you're not going to do that, yeah. right? So you're going to be focused on your thing and say, hey, I delivered the leads. And mm -hmm. that's a problem, right? Mm -hmm. So um, so let's move to the next one. Yes. So I think, and this is this is maybe a thing that's more for executives uh, listening in, um, which really is about language. Mm. And it always sounds like a, oh, tiny <laughs> language, sure. Language is Stopping the Stopping the episode now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the problem is really, you know, either it's disconnected or misaligned language, kind of what do you call different things? Yeah. And um, it starts with it starts with silly things like an MQL definition. Yeah. Which I hate. Um, but it starts with something like that, right? Kind of what, what does it mean? What is it really? Um, and, uh, 
uh, and the the marketing folks being clear on that, but also the sales folks actually understanding that piece, mm. right? Um, and where it then kind of goes also to is really understanding the processes that lead to some of these pieces behind it, right? So again, uh, in many organizations that we have seen, an MQL can be created by way of a demo request, mm. which is what every salesperson thinks how an MQL works. Yeah, <laughs> that's a problem. <laughs> and, and that is, you know, in many, many parts of the audience, it's kind of okay, mm. um, you know, to have that level of understanding. But, you know, once you realize, okay, wait a minute, um, there are also other sources of how an MQL can be created, yeah. then suddenly you need to understand that that is potentially impacting what you can do with those MQLs going forward. Mm. And my, uh, sales folks realize it extremely quickly once they you know, pop the hood and see what, what marketing kind of did there. And marketing, on the other hand, needs to understand that their you know, white paper downloads aren't converting as well as the demo request yeah, yeah. Um, and will create a problem for sales afterwards, right? And the the thing here is, right, everyone is probably rolling their eyes, oh, you know, to, I, I know that, I know that. The thing, though, is when you kind of look into all of those organizations, there's a there's a big issue happening, you know, between the handover between marketing and sales. We yeah. call it sales and marketing alignment and all that BS. And for the longest time, I was like, you know what? The reason is those marketing guys and, and <laughs> girls, they just focus on their own numbers. They don't care about the downstream. They need to hit their numbers and, you know, screw those salespeople and sales just complaining because yeah. that's what they do all the time. Really, kind of thinking about it as an as an intent, yeah. as like malice, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. People wanting to be bad to one another, <laughs> um, and maybe this is just my nature. But what I've you know woken up to lately, more and more and more, and I can recommend this for everyone else out there as well, is like, you know what? Never assign to malice what you can assign also to stupidity. Mm. And this is not that people are stupid. It is though that people are busy with other things. They don't care about some of those details that much. They don't understand why they should be caring about those details. Mm. And then they just end up not really knowing that there's a difference here, yeah. right? And that then leads to them being messed up at the quarter end, so them being sales, for example. And because they don't understand what happened to them upstream, because they're busy with mm. all these other yeah, things, yeah, yeah. they're going to be looking for reasons that they are busy with all the time. Yeah. Which means they are super knowledgeable about, you know, the deals, the reps, you know, what they're saying, Matic, Matpick, whatever the whatever they're using. Yeah. And they're gonna be focused on, because that's the hammer they have, they're gonna be focused on, well, the the reason why we have this issue is because the reps did X, Y, and Z. And that might be correct to a degree, but also the other larger gap is probably caused by the non-knowledge further upstream, mm -hmm. right? And this comes again from Yes, disconnected language, you could say, but also disconnected understanding of what those processes mean, what they are, and then how to um, how they will impact things further down the stream. So for everyone thinking about like, oh, you know, it's these guys are just pointing fingers. You know what? <laughs> they might not know better. Yeah. They're too busy in their own world in order to know better uh, to kind of fix it themselves. But I think there's also a couple of other points that maybe to make it more real, it's also simple things like, who are we selling to? Like, I've come from a, we've worked at a business where you could sell to multiple, very different types yeah. of businesses. Like, do we actually agree who we're selling to? That's that's one area, right? And then there's the, well, how do we 
sell them? Like, what are we saying on things like the website and then the pitch mm -hmm. and in the onboarding? Mm. Are we talking the same language there? Because if not, that's going to be a bit of an issue, right? And then ultimately, when you come to the uh, like fundamentals, like what is an MQL? What is an opportunity? What is a negotiation stage mean? Well, if folks don't really know that and they start making reports, you know, with their disconnected ops, yep. the conclusion is ultimately going to be, oh, we're, we have bad data. That's, yeah. that's what's <laughs> happening here, right? And so point, no actually. one knows what's actually happening in the yeah. business and can get to the root cause of what, you know, why they're missing. And that's why it's, it's so incredibly important to know those fundamentals and know what the metrics mean uh, and what matters. I think it's a tall order, but someone, not everyone, but someone in the business needs to. Oh, for sure. You know, that's that's a thing, right? It's Sometimes I've... So, I mean, maybe this is kind of an add-on to the stupidity and malice. This hmm. Maybe stupidity is too wrong of a... Ignorance. Too, too, going, ignorance yeah. maybe is a better of a word. Um, but I had a call with a CRO who was actually spanning the whole life cycle. Mm -hmm. uh, so, marketing, sales, and CS. Uh, he is a fantastic RevOps person. I think that saves his butt all yeah. the time. But uh, I was on the call with him and I was kind of talking him through the bow tie, which he wasn't fully fully familiar with. And I told him like, hey, what well, Groblox is like, hey, we do, you know, the lead stuff and then this and then this. And then the Revos person was like, well, this is, you know, the, the pre-sales thing and then the post-sales thing, which, you know, that was his language. And then he just looked as like, what do you what do you mean? What do you mean pre-sales? What 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 is what is what is that really? Uh, and then it's like, well, the whole marketing thing, you know, the leads and yeah. MQLs and all of that. It's like, yeah. ah, okay, oh yeah, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Oh. And uh, but but one more question: what post-sales? What, <laughs> what is it that you really mean by? And it's with the churn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and again, you know, he's a fantastic leader. He kind of knows how to run shit. Kind of he has a long career. Yeah. But that doesn't mean. Um, that some of those, I would say, architectural or engineering things of revenue are fully present, right? No. So again, someone needs to own it. If it's not the CRO, then it needs to be someone else. Yeah, It doesn't matter. Um, but really kind of trying to understand all of these different pieces and how they hang together. And it kind of speaks into the next one. Which is, um, uh, which is number four, you mean? Yes. Yeah. So for me, for me, there's sometimes an issue... Uh, when we're talking, you know, disconnected execution. Yeah. Um, in terms of, I think it's it's much rather disconnected goals. Mm. That's actually what I think about yeah. it. Yeah. And there's this whole conversation around again, kind of very much in the marketing and sales thing because it's just they're like a gazillion examples yeah, for yeah. this. But it's really this: oh, marketing should be incentivized on revenue. Yeah. Right. And this stems from a world where people are basically saying like, well, you know, marketing is, you know, celebrating when sales is missing. Yeah, That yeah. can't be. So we need to align those two functions and we need to make sure that marketing is delivering revenue. So if you ever try to actually execute something like this, what will happen is you will need to talk, talk to a marketing leader mm. and say your comp plan, because sometimes they have one, will be on revenue now yeah. instead. What is the number one pushback you will get immediately? Well, they don't have control over closing the they deals. They don't have control <laughs> over closing the deals. Um, and they're basically saying, you know what? Um, I really like Jack, my VP of sales a lot. <laughs> but I don't trust him. <laughs> but I don't trust him. I'm sorry. Not, yeah. you know, not with my money. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm not going to do it. And very valid pushback. Yeah. Um, same pushback on a smaller scale you will get if you say, you know what, SDRs. They shouldn't just book shitty meetings. They should be booking revenue. That's yeah. what they need to be doing. <laughs> Have you ever had a conversation with an STR about that? Yeah, Do you yeah. know what? It's the same thing. 
you will say, you know what, Bob, I love my I love my AE Bob, but you know what? I don't trust him with my money. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm not. And I think that's totally fair. People need to, you know, be incentivized uh, on the things that they can control. Yes. I think that's yeah, really yeah. important. But, you know, what, what then kind of everyone, but Tony, then we still have this alignment problem. No, you don't if you just set the goals correctly. Yeah. <laughs> and you've actually defined the language yes. meaning those KPIs. If, if you, so one, again, simple example, instead of just setting a goal for MQLs, which will then lead to whatever, you know, meetings booked yeah. with all the blended stuff in there, like, you know, webinars and, you know, events leads and demo requests and regions and yeah, 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 yeah. whatever it might be, uh, when you have this blended stuff hanging there, uh, guess what? The chances for that to be also aligned with your revenue goals next quarter, fairly low. Because what's going to happen is marketing is going to change the blend all the time, right? They're kind of they're kind of figuring out a new cocktail every fucking yeah, quarter, yeah, yeah. you know. And um, and if you then if you you know that's then the reason for them either hitting or not hitting the MQL number, and that tends to be completely disconnected from. Uh, you hitting your revenue number as a sales leader. Yeah. So what do you have to do? You need to align these things by getting a bit more granular, being a bit more clear what leads to what and therefore converts how. Um, and if you set those goals in the right way, guess what? Um, people would probably be in a in a in a margin of three, four, five percent. Yeah. And and you know what? It's okay that marketing celebrates you know hundred percent when when sales is at ninety five percent. I think that's okay, by the way. Um, uh, and and then that's that's what you would basically be able to achieve. Yeah, I think there's also a couple of other things in in the realm of the execution, right? So think back to the case where interquarter you're behind, yeah, right, and you go to the marketing team and say, hey, we need you to do more. We don't care how you do it, but we need more now because otherwise we'll miss. You need to have a conversation that is at what cost. Because you've made a plan. Yeah. And again, if you made those plans in isolation, if marketing made their own little plan, mm. then it's a terrible situation, right? If you've made a go-to-market plan together and said, hey, actually, in Q1, marketing is building this thing that's going to ship in Q2 and have this impact. Are you okay with sacrificing the next quarter then, right? And I think the other, the other nuance to it is, uh, and we've talked about this before, is let's say that marketing channel blows up. You might not be able to fix that in marketing. So what else can you do in the yeah. go-to-market? And I think that's back to the disconnected execution, right? That you as a go-to-market team need to make the goal together. Yes. And I think this is also, this is a, a bit of a deeper thing to it, right? Because really what you just said there is if, if you turn around, and this is really how do you execute this thing, mm -hmm. which is someone will just say, forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> is you will basically take money away from someone. Yeah. Totally. So, and that's an issue, mm -hmm. right? That's 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 a really big issue. People don't like that. Oh, you're cutting my budget. Who who the, who are you? <laughs> are you the CFO? No. Oh, well then, you know, there's the door, please. Thanks. Yeah. Um. So the thing really is, people need to, you know, go into it with a mindset of yes, we as a go-to-market leadership team, we need to hit this target together. Yeah. The way we're gonna get there, we don't actually a thousand percent know right now, and things might change in between. Um, and I think that needs to be the mindset going into this, right? It doesn't mean that, and and that is also just impractical in reality to, you know, slash uh, roles and reassign yeah. people like every quarter. It doesn't work like this. But you have a 10, 20% uh, flex budget, which mean, you know, which could come from ad spend that's not 100% figured out. Maybe some experiments you're running on the mm. marketing side. 
some backfills, some potential new hires on the sales side and so forth, same with CS. You know, that's roughly 10 to 20% every quarter. That money you could actually move around. Yeah. Um, and people should be less uh, stuck up on like, no, I need to hire those 10 AEs because otherwise my manager over there is only going to have eight AEs and then he's going to be upset because yeah. he's not going to hit his, you know, whatever. It's like, well, then VP of sales, that it seems like a people management thing you should be engaging yeah. in there now, right? Um, and I think this is, it, it's really important to keep in mind that, yes, the flexibility and all that is great, uh, but what you need to have is the mindset that you as a go-to-market leadership team want to achieve X, and then there might be some fluctuations how to actually get there, right? Mm. So that's a bunch of signs that the go-to-market is, is broken. Yeah, and I mixed in a couple of solutions to it maybe as yeah, well. Yeah, no, here. I think that's um, that's good. But but ultimately, so, you know, what, what you're going to do about it. Yeah. Um, so I think, uh, and we talked about this a little bit, the uh, go-to-market consortium, kind of these guys, I think they're doing a fantastic job. Mm. Uh, honestly, kind of, it's uh, it's obviously Pavilion, it's, um, it's go-to-market partners, and it's winning by design. They're talking about this a lot, right? Kind of the go-to-market in itself. And underlying to that is the bow tie and so forth, right? Yeah. And I think you, they're starting to call it the, the revenue architect and so forth. I kind of you know align with that language to a degree. The the thing is, someone in your business needs to be a revenue architect. Mm. That's I think how you need to think about it. And does that person need to own go to market? I don't know. I don't think so. Mm. It doesn't have to be. You know, the architect isn't owning the building either. No, no, right. <laughs> so it's they're also not footing the bill. They're also not managing all the people. They're just they're just putting this thing together so yeah, it's going to yeah, work yeah. out in the end, right? So I think really having this understanding end to end, I think this could sit with someone that is also owning the thing at the same time. Let's just say a CRO. Yeah, it could. It could also sit with someone that is um, that is more like a revenue operations profile. Yeah. And again, then we are we're clearly, and and maybe we just need to have almost a different role. Honestly, revenue operations. Yes, it's a lot of process, a lot of data, lots of you know CRM and HubSpot and Apex Code and whatever. That needs to be done somehow, but it's that is not the person we're talking about when we're talking revenue architecture. Mm. Someone that actually gets the whole thing, yeah. And data and tools is just one part of it. Yeah, it's just one one layer of the whole thing, right? And that person, well, you know, yes, disconnected up ops. Well, that would be taken care of with that, right? Yeah. You have like one umbrella that makes sense. Disconnected reporting, kind of that plays into the RevOps piece. Disconnected language. I think this is more of a behavioral thing that the that the executives need to adopt, then it yeah. is a definition game that you know revenue operations needs to talk, and then you know the the execution bit and the goal bit. Um, this is something where RevOps can support, but ultimately you will have the CRO and the CFO setting those goals and targets, yeah. and they need to understand that the way they've maybe been doing this, maybe that's not the best thing anymore, right? So this this whole again education mm. on hey. Once you're past 10 million in AR, unless you run it like a crazy enterprise thing, you probably can learn a lot by understanding the science behind the revenue piece. Yeah. Not saying that's everything is science, but a lot of it is actually. Mm. And someone needs to be trained and understand and how to read those charts. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and that sometimes can be a zero. I've met a couple of really fantastic zeros. One of them I hope we're going to have soon on the show. And then there's a couple of, you know, RevOps folks that also can live up to that point. Yeah. Um, I, 
rarely see other profiles being really good at this. Um, you know, it's maybe a VP of sales that's punching up and wants to yeah. actually kind of own more, or maybe a COO that, you know, understands this, the, the, the go-to-market side a little bit better, but it's a very small set of people. And it's, mm. by the way, it's not the CEO. No. The, you know, you would be shocked, and maybe this is more for RevOps listening than CROs listening, <laughs> you would be shocked if you sat in, in a C-level, in a C-level meeting in your company, you know, CEO, CFO, CTO, CPO, CMO, C whatever, you know, you would be shocked how little they actually know how the engine itself works. Yeah. Uh, they're throwing things around. It's like, well, why don't we slash this? You know, why don't we do this? Why don't we go over there? Um, it's like, well, because of a gazillion reasons, we can't do any of these <laughs> things right now. And um, uh, so again, you would be shocked, right? Yeah, so yeah. kind of really, you know, someone needs to, someone needs to, tie all of these pieces together. Yeah. Uh, what's the end result, by the way? What's the so what? Yeah. Well, CAC payback is going to improve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have more money to grow. You're going to run a better efficient shop. You're probably going to get funding because of it. Your yeah. investors going to love you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, so this really, you know, fixing this part of the organization, which I would say in many organizations, what, 50, 60%, the mm. go-to-market organization, that's also 50, 60% of the, the, the costs you have. Yeah. Streamlining this and making this better by 10%, massive, massive win, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's really uh, that's really what comes out of it, right? Ultimately, all of those gaps between those departments, each little gap, and, you know, we've broken it down in a couple of different topics here. Each little gap adds a little bit more sand into the gearbox, and eventually it's going to grind to halt, right? If you can start, you know, cleaning this up, mm. everything is going to be much more smooth. That's it. No outro today. So, I mean... <laughs> We talked about no broken bones yeah. for me snowboarding. Yeah, yeah. Neither my family. Yeah. Last time we did that, by the way, yes, there were like several broken bones, by the way. Really? Yeah. Um, same person, though. So, ah, okay. Yeah. Then it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we kind of talked about why do we have this go-to-market issue right now. Mm. Um, we went a little bit, you know, history lesson. Uncle Tony talked about yeah. history here. Back in the Ivory Tower. Stuff. Back into the Ivory Tower. And then we talked about, you know, what are the signs of a broken go-to-market? It's disconnected reporting, disconnected operations, disconnected language, disconnected execution and goals. And ultimately, a solution to this is, yes, bowtie thinking, but revenue architecture, someone someone has to own this thing. Yeah. Someone, someone needs to do that part. Yeah. Um, and if you do, the outcome will be improved crack payback metrics, improved crack to lifetime, uh, and so forth, right? So it's like a bunch of things that your investors are interested in. So thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks, Tony. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.